0: Welcome to Consumer Choice Radio, We're broadcasting to you here on The Big Talker, 106.7 FM. We're here, uh, I guess it's a beautiful new year, and I'm very happy to be here. I'm Yael Ososki, one of your co-hosts here, broadcasting from Vienna, Austria, as always. And I'm joined by my colleague, David Clement, who's over there in Toronto. David, how goes it? New year, eh? Yes.
1: Yeah, it's, yeah, new year, hopefully 2022.
0: Oh, boy, you're, you're far into the whoa. future.
1: Oh. Whoa, <laughs> whoa, Um Hopefully 2021 can be uh, much better than 2020 was, because 2020, it was, um, it was pretty bad. It was bad, bad in many ways, bad, but so. good in
0: others. Uh, we. We wanted to bring you guys something special for this episode, something that we recorded with our colleagues at the Consumer Choice Center, consumerchoicecenter.org. You can find all of our work there. Uh, We wanted to check in with our colleagues around the world, uh, both in in Europe, North America, and uh, wanted to get the whole gamut of the great stuff that many of our colleagues have been doing, uh, some of the stuff they've been proud of or where they believe they've been very effective. Uh, We've got some great stories uh, lined up for you. This is kind of a happy hour while we recorded it so some alcohol was flowing i think david it was a bit strange for his time zone so we probably had uh, a red eye or you know three espressos <laughs> in front of him but uh, overall a good conversation yeah. that i think a lot of people will like
1: yes yeah yeah let's uh let's go right to that um and i uh, hope you guys enjoy uh, us and our colleagues basically just uh chatting for for a little while about the ongoings of what 2020 was and was not
0: all right guys it's been a great year Uh, there's a lot of stuff that we've been working on and uh we're still going to be working on but times have been very interesting and uh kind of wanted to bring everyone around the table and on the radio to talk about how you know amazing the year was, our favorite projects, uh, most memorable moments, and uh, anything else we've been working on. So uh, I'll, I'll start off, uh, I guess, quickly. I remember at the, the beginning of the year, uh, kind of being at, um, at Davos and, and talking up everything that we were doing with uh, not only cannabis, but all of our work globally. And then uh, a few weeks later, being in Washington at CPAC and meeting a lot of interesting people and and really being able to connect with people who had never heard about CCC before, and then uh, all of a sudden I remember being in the uh, in the hotel room hearing about the first uh, positive case at CPAC and being completely freaked out that uh, you know I was I was one of the guys who had uh, been in the same room like no one knew anything at that time so that definitely was. Uh, interesting and made the, the trip home uh, kind of uh, different and fun. And I had about 18 uh, bottles of hand sanitizer that I had purchased at the airport uh, to bring with me. So that was, it was an interesting time. uh, That was all done. But, you know, apart from that, uh, I think everything that we've been able to do online, it's been incredible this year, you know, haven't really been able to travel too much, but uh, some of my best moments is, is probably getting into the Detroit news and talking about a liability shield for corona uh, relief. This is still a big thing in the news. It apparently is not in the latest relief bill that has been put together in Congress, which is really unfortunate because a liability shield would actually make it much easier to open up restaurants and bars and schools and everything else. Uh, but alas, they have not done that. Uh, that. That's probably one of my one of my better ones. I mean, there's a lot of different topics I hit, uh, as we all did. But uh, I guess I'll, on, I'll pass and, and let yeah. David uh, interject here. On
1: on Davos, one of my favorite memories now is I think it was, I know that Fred was beside me when it happened. We were walking up this slippery slope, this street in Davos. It's the middle of the World Economic Forum. And this jolly looking guy walks by us. He's got a huge smile on his face life is good. It's none other than the director of the world health organization uh dr. little tedros. did he, yeah dr tedros little did he know uh, well he knew everything well, well actually what's funny is that you y- you go little did he know how life was going to change and then the stories and reports come out and it's like oh he did know he did know actually <laughs> at that moment he knew
0: <laughs> last moments of freedom
1: yeah uh so it's just i mean it's crazy to think that like Australian wildfires were this year that just feels like it's so long ago. That doesn't even feel like it was, it was 2020. Um, But yeah, in terms of my own, uh, some of the success that we had, a, a big thing for me was really all of the regs that were never needed that got repealed because of COVID. And so things like being able to buy alcohol uh, at seven a.m. now at grocery stores, um, being able to get alcohol delivered when you order food. Um, we had a, a, another policy victory that was reversed, but it was a policy victory for a little while uh, in allowing for retail cannabis stores to deliver direct to consumers. Um, so there's been a there there have been some 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 wins for us um, and some big stories that we wrote about here in Canada that really just focused on most of the regulations um, that were repealed because of COVID uh, don't need to come back. And so that'll be the big test for 2021 is, are we going to be successful in ensuring that everything that we got rid of in terms of regs, can we keep them? uh, Can we keep them off the books? So that's the task at hand, uh, at least for me here in, in Canada moving forward.
2: David, you, you're very optimistic. I'm still mulling over how we get pubs open, but uh, <laughs> this is just like how we can actually bring some basic freedoms we used to take very granted back to uh, normal life or to meet friends at their place. Uh, so, um, but yes, yeah, it's, it's been a pretty long year, right? If, if, uh, if you don't really leave your house, things take uh, feel a bit longer. And yeah, when you, when you just mentioned Davos, I would have thought that was probably longer than just 11 months ago. Um, Very interesting year. Um, Happy to work with so many great people here on the team. Um, I enjoyed seeing how much innovation quickly happened in the field of vaccines and medical treatments. I mean, the Moderna vaccine and the Pfizer BioNTech um, vaccines were actually developed within weeks. Right? It just took pretty long to get them through trials, but actually scientists were, it took them a couple of weeks to develop like totally new ways of creating successful vaccines. Um, so that's amazing. Thanks to genetic technology, actually. It's a new way, these mRNA vaccines, we haven't seen that before. That's super exciting. And uh, since we worked on issues like gene editing before that and throughout the year, we were, we were aware of these technologies and it's, it's bizarre to see how much hesitance is there, especially in Europe, to adopt these technologies uh, in a broader scale, you know, not just in the human body, but probably even, even less scary, like, in you know, food, you know, grow food better, making it more interesting, making it cheaper. Um, so that's something probably Bill will talk a bit more about his quest for modern agriculture. consumer I saw that uh,
0: Sir Ian McKellen uh, got the vaccine. He's one of the first celebrities, I think,
2: Yes, I I actually, I watched that video. That's good. I mean, uh, everyone loves Gandalf. Um, I was a bit puzzled when he, I mean, he's obviously a very wealthy person when when he praised how everyone is equal in the NHS, but he he got that vaccine pretty, pretty quickly.
1: How's how's that possible? Uh,
2: um, I think they needed a PR person, but then he was also like, it's so great. It's the National Health Service. You know, it's national. It's all of us. And I'm always like, maybe it's because I'm German, but when people like praise the word national, I was like, oh, okay. Um, but it's good. Hey, the UK was really quick in approving it. It was the first country that approved this vaccine. And I still see there are debates among other regulators. When the commissioners of that regulatory body are going to meet to give the final approval, it's like, oh, we get back together after Christmas. Like Maybe, maybe you get back to now, maybe just have a Zoom call and do this. I mean... You know, every day you're waiting is like another day of more people dying. It's another longer day of us being uh, in lockdown and, you know, consumers and businesses not being able to go on just people not being able to go their normal lives. So, I mean, what I really wish for Christmas is actually that, you know, the rest of the world says, Hey, you know, the FDA has approved it. The Brits have approved the Pfizer vaccine. We, we should just trust them and just get these vaccines, which are there, right? They're currently in warehouses, just get it to patients. I mean, there's just no time to lose. Apparently this crisis is big enough for us to shut down the entire world and limit people's travel and ability to actually enjoy Christmas and the holidays and their normal lives. But then regulators don't trust each other. And that's something we've been pushing for years that we say, hey, we need to have reciprocity. Like if, if a developed country has approved something it should be you know if the americans have approved something or the brits it should be good enough for germans which is actually germany my home country is the country which developed the pfizer BioNTech vaccine it's been developed there but patients don't have access it's just like i mean it's just insane right it's just political games at the same time the same people who play these games tell us also we have to stay at home so still still some probably post-covid we need to do some cleanup there and just get to like uh faster drug approval um, because this is just painful, expensive, people die. Uh, we're deprived of our basic liberties. So that's that's like, unacceptable. I mean, imagine there is a new PlayStation console and it's just, just not hitting the market because some Sony directors have to meet a couple of times more to decide if it's now really good to introduce it in France uh, after they already sell, sold millions of them in, in Japan. So that that's just like, would not really happen,
1: right? I had this debate on Twitter because one of the growing stories is that Canada is going to vaccinate people at a significantly lower rate than the United States or even the UK so like when the UK hits fifty percent Canada will be at twenty five percent and people will be like, well, it's not a race and it's like oh it absolutely is a race like this is the, this is the race of our lifetime like where are you in a hurry for yeah it's like I'm um, you realize like businesses are closing, people are stuck at home, suicides are up, opioid abuse is up, addiction is up. Like it, this is like the, the awful cocktail of everything bad in the world in one situation. And if there's a light at the end of the tunnel, I hope that if our governments can do anything, they get there as fast as humanly possible. Uh, This this
2: actually reminds me a bit like I, I had like couple of trips to India, and whenever you're in a challenging situation, you want to talk to a clerk there to solve something, the first thing they say is, sir, please take a seat and wait a bit. There's no time to rush. It's like, no, my plane is leaving soon. I need to get that boarding pass. I don't want to take a seat. Right? It's just like, this, what's wrong with you?
1: Yeah, just, I mean, it's just like, and, it's, and this also, and I know that you guys have weighed in on lockdowns, and it's getting to the point where we're, you're starting to see people just generally get anxious. Now, I can luckily say that we didn't have it as bad as our Italian colleagues, um, who should probably explain what it was like to actually be in Italy in that series of a lockdown, because a lot of people saw, obviously, headlines, but you guys lived through basic, like, real house arrest. Like, let me check your papers on the street. Um, I don't know if Luca or Fabio, you want to just give like an explanation of what this looked like so that people who are listening can know what life was really like in Italy when it You're was. You're acting 30. like
0: Luca followed the rules. <laughs> of course he did.
3: I act, you know, in the Always. first lockdown I, I did actually, I mean, I was going out. Yeah, I was going out, but just for essential things, and the second, third, fourth, I don't know. I, I lost the count now. How I many lockdown we have done. Uh, I think everybody is really tired here, and they are not following anymore. But it was really feeling like uh, even not in a war zone, because at least when you're in a war zone, you know what you are expecting. But uh, seeing soldiers uh, in moment of peace uh, uh, in the main square of my hometown or in the main square of Milan, that's really scary. Like it was. But not really scary because of, of the virus, which, I mean, I'm healthy, I'm young, I know that it would not have caused any trouble, hopefully for me, but it was really scary because we arrived so far, that we deployed their army to make sure that people were staying home. And now, still now, we are soldiers on the street, checking over evening when we have a curfew between 10 and 5 a.m., you have a checkpoint of, soldiers, of the army on in the state not just for the police but also the army which is really scary because basically 40 years of peace uh, blow out blow up in like six months nine months i don't know the entire constitution got four away and we have one of the longest constitution of the world we have 700 pages so i think if it's not the so longest, almost it is oh uh, yeah so it was really scary and it was weird, it was really weird because you were feeling like being uh, in a, uh, literally in prison, like knowing that you did nothing wrong. You could not buy anything, if not essential meal, basically. Like you could not buy new toothbrush at the beginning. So if you had to buy toothbrush, you had to actually get a paper from the police to buy toothbrush. I mean, that's how insane it went after they released they take away some of these rules because it was clearly not uh See, not good for anyone
1: did you guys have people renting out their dogs because that was a story that was heard when the lockdowns got real bad the markets like, everywhere they would let you walk your dog and so people would call up their friends who had dogs and be like hey can i walk your can i walk your dog so, just so that they can we, get outside
3: <laughs> we were not allowed to walk dogs we were not allowed to uh, doing the full lockdown. Much uh, it was like a Chinese lockdown.
0: I think France. So we had were not the same allowed. To, Jeez.
3: Friend, no, France was a bit better. Like you could actually walk. Uh, within we only within one to, kilometer of your home, and you need to, right. <laughs> at, at least it was more than fifty square meter of an apartment. You know. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's wild. Yeah, that's wild. Yeah, but just. To comment on what Fred said, it's actually very interesting to see also how European Union was not able to boost innovation over its vaccine race. I mean, uh, for example, of biotech and Pfizer, all the other vaccine are bet Amer- works are American, and the two main manufacturers who actually developed vaccine in Europe, which is Sanofi and. Uh, um the 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 other one which i forgot now we did with foxford they were not successful and that's uh, i think can make a lot of uh, hey, uh hey, hey. the
2: pfizer vaccine is a german vaccine It's just pfizer yeah yeah
3: no exactly five five except Where's for the, the headquarters the of pfizer yeah no well it's two it's uh, done with uh a, sure <laughs> with uh, a german one but it's also very interesting to see how uh, the boost of innovation was not uh, followed by European companies because they were very scared about uh, possible lawsuits uh, or possible uh, problems with policy makers. I mean, look at Sanofi. They used the same type of vaccination that is used for normal flu, and it didn't work out. And they said, saying, because we were not sure if we could use actually new type of innovation or, or no, because it was not clear by law. So that's actually something very, very interesting. But I think we should, uh, um, we should work on next next year. I mean, innovation is good, and if we want uh, American, European companies to compete with American one, we should actually be able to allow them to actually compete also on innovative products, such, mm-hmm. such as gene editing, and so oh, not geez. just
0: uh, sounds like technology companies as well, Luca.
3: <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh,
1: I mean, it's funny you say that. We had a guest on previously, Dr. Jeffrey Singer, who talked about the mRNA vaccine, which, I mean, obviously, it's exciting that there's a vaccine for COVID, but the additional excitement is just how revolutionary the technology is, and what else they can apply it for. So there, in his own words, he, he foresees, given that, under the assumption that we don't screw this up and, and overregulate and stifle the ability to continue to innovate... That you could have various common forms of cancer that have you would be able to vaccinate against them um, because you would be able to use the mRNA vaccine to prevent you from actually being able to develop that particular type of cancer. Um, and obviously, there are all sorts of other treatments. So the, the big thing now is just going to be how else do we use this great technology abroad uh, to, to different areas? Um, and how rapidly can we embrace that? So Fingers crossed uh, that we don't screw this up. Um, I know that, we're, that if we would ever get a group together who is co- our, our confidence level in the government to get things right is is probably at an all time low. Um, but hopefully, hopefully someone in the room can help them push that uh, push that down
0: the road. Well, speaking of people in the room who are pushing things down the road, I know Maria has been writing a lot about trade the last year and really getting out some awesome wins. Uh, which is really cool to see. Uh Ria, tell us about uh I guess Liz Truss is is your girl here because she's uh she's been traveling around the world signing all kinds of free trade agreements.
4: Yeah, she's got 57 or 58 of them by now. So that's amazing. She's a hero, Brexit, I think, at this point. Uh well, yes, I mean, obviously because of COVID, international trade has been in decline. So uh I mean, because of travel restrictions and because of supply chains not being prepared for all those disruptions, disruptions incoming. But I think you had to be optimistic about 2021 and things coming back to normal, at least in some ways, because I think in the second quarter of this year, I mean it got a bit better in the sense of coordination between countries. Because when it all started, everyone was unprepared, understandably, but so let's not. I mean, we can go on and blame the the world's Health Organization for everything, but countries were unprepared as well. Um, so, from this perspective, it's all been a bit doom and gloom for trade. But I think, I mean, where there's a challenge, there's also a, an opportunity. And I think it's exciting to see what's going to happen next, especially when it comes to practical trade deals. There's I wonder been if you so have the
0: CCC record for the most amount of tests taken. <laughs>
4: I've had uh, six, I
0: think. That's pretty high, anyone beat that?
4: I haven't had one.
0: You are the problem, super spreader.
4: <laughs> I've, I, I'm,
2: yeah, not I, allowed, I, I'm not I allowed still to get my nose from that test, one test I got in July and I don't want to go back to that.
0: <laughs> I know, um, who was it that said, there's a couple people, uh, yeah, a friend I met with yesterday said their family, they just bought like 25 rapid tests. And they're just going to take that so they can celebrate Christmas together. At least that one is the spit test, I think.
1: I mean, yeah. How fantastic is that? Think about what you could do. So I don't know how much the rapid test costs, like wholesale costs, but let's say it's five bucks. its I know that it's actually pretty cheap. If you mailed every American a rapid test.
0: David, I know where you're going, but. This is, uh, we're trying this in Austria and they've tried it in Slovakia. This mass test of the population, the, did work. Well, the mailing would be interesting. Uh, what they're doing now is they have these centralized centers where everyone goes and gets tested. And uh, well, yeah,
1: so that's that's a little different. But what I would suggest is if you mail everyone this rapid test, everybody does their rapid test. If it comes back positive, two week quarantine. Like, don't spread the virus to anyone else. Talk about flattening the curve. You basically just remove, it's, it's the whole idea is you, you isolate the people who are sick and can spread the illness. You catch all of the asymptomatic cases or people who have maybe yeah. mild so symptoms.
2: If the, if these rapid tests would actually work well, I think they tried that in Liverpool and did a big study on it. And actually, I think only 50% of the tests caught the or only like 50% of the positives were actually caught as positives. So, and then it gives people wrong, basically you still have 50% of people walking around and they think they're negative. So it's just like the test quality is a problem, right? It's the same with this antibody test to figure out if you had COVID. Apparently a lot of people don't have antibodies that didn't have a severe COVID case. So I think that's a bit the problem. Um, Again, probably in a year, this is all really good, right? You can just not develop these things overnight. Probably we could have them faster if there wouldn't be so many regulatory barriers. Again, like this, vaccine was apparently developed in the first quarter of this year. And then this took forever with like, um, with, uh, trials and maybe it would have been good to say, well, so far we've tested a thousand people. No one died. So do people just want to take it and take the risk? It's not effective. Uh, then we probably would already have like 20 or 30% of our population being vaccinated, which would be good. At least these people could move on with their lives. But yeah. And the UK, I think the problem is like, yeah.
1: I was going to say, the UK did lead the charge in terms of challenge trials, which was like the big ethical question of like, can we do that? And I have always said, sure, if if healthy adults want to sign up and say, you've proven that the, the vaccine is safe. We don't know yet if it's effective. So give me the vaccine and then expose me to the virus. And the UK was one of the only countries that said, yeah, we're going to do this. We're going to do these challenge trials to try and speed up the process rather than the ordinary process where it's like, OK, we're going to give people the vaccine and just kind of wait. And yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to
2: monopolize this conversation, but I, I think one thing society needs to figure out is how risk averse are we, right? Because, for instance, this year with COVID, which is definitely a bad disease and it's just disrupting all our lives globally, um, there is just, on the one hand, we basically stop all public life and, you know, people get delayed cancer care and screenings, uh, people get depressed, suicide rates go up, I mean, people lose economic prosperity, which also directly relates to shorter life expectancy because we just have less money in the future to pay for our health systems. Um, but at the same time, we're super cautious on how we conduct trials and how quickly we bring something to the market, you know? So we have like the worst of both worlds where we're like not bold to get actually to treatments and vaccines. At the same time, we think this pandemic is so bad that we need to shut down everything, which comes at high human cost, right? So I mean, basically, if we get a shock like COVID, we just need to be more bold and actually Reduce a lot of red tape and show risk to find solutions. I mean, I mean, we, we it's always portrayed this is like a war-like situation, but actually, when you're in war, usually you know we have to be bold to win. I mean, so and um, that is, I think right now, we're, I mean, we all hope to kind of see this is here, it's, it's the stuff with like lockdowns over. No, now in the UK they discussed they furloughing till like April, and Northern Ireland just ha- said that they're going to have lockdowns till like mid of February. It just keeps going on and on.
0: Speaking of going on and on, hey Bill, you seem to be our craft beer aficionado. Uh, what have you brought to today's happy hour?
5: So I'm drinking. Uh, <clears throat> so I'm drinking something you uh, cannot currently do. It's called Kisses, it's a beer by Gerrish Brew from Barcelona. Quite the association with Barcelona myself, actually, because it was the last city I was in before I decided to bail. On the idea of continuing to travel and went back to Luxembourg for the lockdown back in uh, March. Um, I have an interesting memory as well. I remember that, Fred, uh, we had this event in London in in, in February and we were walking through London talking about the first cases of coronavirus and I was like, I, I wasn't too worried. I was like, well, Fred, uh, how many weeks would it take for this to be over? And you say, well, you know, be careful. You never know with these things how they develop, and, and unfortunately, you were, you were indeed right. Uh, it, it's so interesting to 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 go back in time uh, there. But you know, I've, te- I've te- definitely used the the lockdown opportunity to uh, consume more craft beer. I think all of our home drinking habits have certainly increased. Not sure about you guys, but uh, certainly true for me. Also, a few more things that you can do from home. Uh, Started my own podcast. I've been very inspired by you uh, guys with Consumer Choice Radio. So started The Consumer, spelled with EU, and also available on Spotify and all the podcast apps. And this is where I sort of look at the, you know, the European um, uh, politics and policy of the day and how those consumer policies are influencing people. Interestingly, I think there's quite some overlap. Because in general, in politics, you know, politicians are always trying to do something about a problem. But sometimes doing something is not necessarily the, the right thing to do. Often doing nothing is is the right approach in politics. Uh, so we see a lot of good intentions, but bad policy coming out of it. So every Thursday, I'm, I'm explaining on the Consumer Podcast what's sort of up with that. Um, and for the rest for my year, um, for me, of course, the focus has very much been agriculture. So agriculture. Uh, you know, in Europe, this is not only an issue, of course, but not only an issue because of the supply chain problems that we had back in spring, but also in general, because the uh, the European Union started this new strategy to reform agriculture. And it's very ambitious and tries to be sustainable and, and environmentally friendly. But in my opinion, there's a lot of problems with this, uh, with this policy that they've presented. I think it actually doesn't achieve the goals it, it, it suggests. And um, it risks considerably increasing the prices for consumers for what they pay for for food and i think right now we've noticed that a lot of people are struggling and in the year that we all are struggling in our own ways to then you know take the risks of increasing everybody's uh, supermarket uh, bills i think that is just a bit reckless and i think it's really not the right way to go so there'll be more communication on that um when it comes to agriculture and uh, and yeah so that's that's sort of what I've been up to it's a bit condensed uh, you know many months of work but yeah
0: thank you for on, the advertising bill that's great
5: yes <laughs> yeah
1: on i mean on agriculture the, this is the crazy thing i'm sure you guys are seeing this in your own countries is people being like well the globalized world is obvious. obviously there are cracks in the globalized world and maybe we need to rethink Um, global markets and I mean I look at it the exact opposite way and I look at it for food this was the ultimate stress test for the global market and yet we all ate we all had food yes maybe there were product shortages or supply chain hiccups but all of us were able to go to grocery stores even the Italians Um, we like that I think that shows you that the global marketplace is more resilient than we ever could have expected. And then you couple that with the, f- with the vaccine. I mean, talk about a feat of globalization. It's a, it's a brand new, innovative medical uh, intervention produced by an American-German joint venture sent from a production facility in Belgium to Germany to Kentucky to Canada, all within 30 hours of it being approved. I mean, that is the market at work. And that Talk is Talk about global- a
0: hole in one.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, so for me, the, the the naysayers are the people who want to look inward and restrict. It's like, guys, what, what world are you living in? Like, this, this was the ultimate test and the global marketplace passed with flying colors. So the idea that we need to restrict, we need to uh, withdraw is just such a falsehood in my mind. Uh, I think that's going to be a big challenge for us.
2: David, I think that's really important. So when kind of this COVID stuff started in the first countries went to lockdowns, I started actually buying a lot of like instant noodles and vitamins, and I still have huge packs of fiber here. I don't even know how to eat it, but i was just worried okay maybe it will be hard to get food uh, so bought like calories for like three months something like this um and um grew a little bit of belly because suddenly i had all these instant noodle soups there i just constantly ate throughout the first lockdown because they were taking away space and they had more to throw them away um but actually there were like only minor supply chain problems and actually yesterday morning i realized oh i'm running out of toilet paper And I went on Amazon, and three hours later, 12 beautiful new four ply rolls uh, showed up in front of my door. Uh, So, and that's like also something I wrote about early in lockdown. You know, we should be thankful for these companies that maintain global supply chains. I know like lots of people have problems with Amazon because they think they're too big. But this year, especially for vulnerable people who did not want to leave their houses and did not want to go into a local grocery store, you know, like, directly warehouse to home delivery within 12 hours is possible now. That was like unthinkable 10 years ago or you would have to pay like a huge markup asking a taxi to pick something up. And now you don't even really pay delivery fees for a lot of these services in many countries. So that's amazing. Uh, We didn't, we never ran out of exotic fruits which definitely don't grow in Europe. Um, So, which is also a bit funny. Like I think the, the first interview I gave from COVID was in Davos with the Canadian press and my assumption was rather, okay, maybe there are some supply chain problems or something in China goes wrong and maybe it will take us a bit longer to get some electronics, which was true. I think at some point you had to wait, wait for some laptops for like two months or something like this. But the bigger problem was humans couldn't leave their houses anymore, but everything else kept going and rolling with like minor disruptions, but not much, which is which is great, right? We, we have this resilient global economy um, so we, we should be very thankful for all of this, and not not fight the champions that actually deliver these things to us.
0: And the one man global economy, Fabio is also here on the line. Uh, Fabio, what a, how about your year, man? You were thrown into many different uh, projects and situations, and you're you got one foot over there in Brazil and another in, in Europe. Uh, man of the Yeah, people. that's true.
6: I think uh, we started a year and I was very excited about traveling more and visiting new places. And for the CCC this year, I, I worked on my first um, index, which is the uh, passenger friendly airports in Latin America, which was great because I was really hoping to uh, enjoy many of the perks of, of, of those airports. Fred earlier this year also worked on the European Railway Index here in Europe. And uh, I was really excited about going places and uh, using those services and checking out those places. Uh, I still would recommend everyone hearing that to check them out. And if you're planning maybe next year and hopefully we have more uh, opportunities to travel and go places to visit and plan your, your, your travel accordingly with those hubs. Uh but yeah, that's that's one thing that I remember from this year that I was really excited and uh COVID COVID kind of bummed it up, bumped it up. But uh, uh nevertheless, uh really interesting uh projects that we worked. Uh I also wanted to highlight um, the project about intellectual intellectual property in Brazil. Uh I think we talked about uh that over this call, and I think Fred uh mentioned this uh um, many times this year, how important intellectual property was to develop the vaccine and how it is important to fight many diseases. And in Brazil, uh, we are kind of uh, in a, uh, in a um, place right now that uh, the Supreme Court may overrule one decision uh, that, would, that would be against patents and against intellectual property. So that's something that uh, we, was, we will continue to work uh, next year and we were going to follow this because uh, the next uh, voting would be will be in May. So that's something that we, were, we are going to um, be looking very closely and trying to to help consumers in Brazil to get get past that. And I think one last thing that I, that I wanted to bring uh, here today is in the beginning of the year we did uh what should we be thankful for in two thousand twenty. So I think it's it's still very fresh, and uh, some of the reasons that we Uh, numbered in the beginning of the year. The first one was first and foremost, uh, our nurses and doctors, and that's still true. They are the the frontliners of of this pandemic and they're still fighting, which is we are very thankful for. Also remote remote working. So uh, hopefully uh, we can next year, try to get back to the office and see some people face to face. But it allowed us to uh, work this year uh, and get things done without many many distress. I think so. That that was pretty cool. Maria worked also in the sharing economy index this year, and this is one of the things that before she she released the index, we said that sharing economy and delivering uh, delivery apps were uh, fundamental to the to the to going through this pandemic and ordering food online and receiving it at home uh, and helping the restaurants, as we mentioned also before. Streaming services, uh, catching up with Netflix and uh, all the new series that we, we couldn't before. And also the last thing, e-pharmacies and online consultations. That was, for example, in Brazil, something new that was not allowed. But because of the COVID, they, they uh, changed the rule and they allowed to uh, online consultations and uh, e prescriptions. So that was a, a big win, I think, in Brazil. So yeah, the, I think we we have a lot of things to be thankful for in 2020 and I'm I'm hopeful for 2021. But uh many lessons learned and I think we we were uh in all issues I think this year. So very happy about that. Good man.
0: When well, in, our, in our closing moments, uh Luca or Maria, you guys have extra words. No, I, I just share.
3: wanted to say that uh, Fabio is a positive Italian in this team. So
6: The only one,
0: I think. I look forward to going back to the office. Meanwhile, all the other Italians, no. (laughs) Uh,
4: Well, I think in terms of freedom, I'm hopeful that in 2021, after all this COVID experience, more consumers are going to come to appreciate consumer choice and freedom as such and being able to go out to be free and to do so many things we were able to do before COVID kicked in. So I hope we will be able to uh, advocate for consumer choice even more effectively with more consumers being on our side.
0: I'm sure you'll have your cafe and Croissant once again on the Parisian streets very soon, Maria. Awesome guys, Uh, let's wrap it up. Thanks so much for an awesome year. It's been great, a full year of uh, consumer choice radio essentially. And you guys have been great. Thanks so much for all your reports. I know our listeners will be very interested to hear all of that. And uh, keep it going. We'll talk to you guys in the new year. Happy holidays.
3: Thank you. Amy. Happy holidays. Oh, mama, may I? If I say I got to go, there's this place
7: down by the coast. See
0: And that does it for Consumer Choice Radio here on The Big Talker, 106.7 FM. Thank you for joining us for the hour and for all the other past shows and archives. Check out Consumer Choice Radio for much more. And
1: as always, if you are listening online through your favorite podcast app, we appreciate that. Be sure to like and subscribe to the podcast uh, and follow us on Twitter at ConsumerCRadio. Uh, thanks again.